Radio here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, James Corbett, and I will be the host of this program for the next one hour. And you can check into my previous work, my radio shows, my podcasts, my interviews, my articles, my videos that I've created and conducted over the past five years at CorbettReport.com. The story of your enslavement is by now an all-too-familiar one to those of you out there who have broken through the conditioning and the PR of the police state that has held so many in its thrall for so long. The evidence of this enslavement is everywhere apparent in the headlines that constitute the grisly daily bread of the alternative media. Cryptagon notes a new proposal demonstrating that the Obama regime wants to ban children from doing work on family farms. RT.com covers a proposed ID card for infants and notes that the author of an Arizona immigration law defends SB 1070. Naomi Wolf in The Guardian points out how the U.S. uses sexual humiliation as a political tool to control the masses, with a recent Supreme Court ruling allowing law enforcement to perform strip searches on anyone stopped for any misdemeanor or even a traffic offense. I think all of us out there who have dealt with this information and understand what is happening have experienced the frustration in trying to present these pieces of the police state enslavement grid puzzle to those around us at different times, only to be met with indifference or, even worse, incredulity, as if these were just isolated and ultimately meaningless pieces of information that fail to mean what we think it means. When confronted by one of these naysayers, who amongst us has not said, echoing Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, none are more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe that they are free. And yet, what if there was one more hopelessly enslaved than he who falsely believes him to be free? What if you are actually hopelessly enslaved when you falsely believe yourself to be enslaved. Well, on that provocative note, my friends, tonight we're going to be exploring the idea that you are indeed not enslaved, that you are free, that freedom is not within your grasp, it already is in your grasp, that in fact, freedom is a state of mind and one that you can attain with nothing more than a change of consciousness. What if freedom and enslavement is a false paradigm that we've been presented with by those who want you to be enslaved by mentally enslaving yourself. It's a provocative concept, and tonight I'm here to deliver you the good news that not, I am not here to deliver you your freedom or to tell you how to be free. I'm here tonight to tell you that you already are free and to hopefully demonstrate that fact. Now, I'm sure many of you out there might disagree with me in my assessments tonight. It is a controversial topic. So if you want to get in on tonight's conversation and share your own thoughts on this topic of freedom versus slavery and where we fall into that mix, you can, of course, phone in with your thoughts and opinions, 1-800-313-9443, or you can tweet, tweet your comments and questions 
at Corbett Report. Tonight we're going to be going over this idea that you are already free and that freedom is nothing other than a state of mind. So, once again, 1-800-313-9443. No guests for the program tonight, just myself, so the phone lines will be wide open, and I'm interested in your comments. On that note, I'll start breaking down my own thoughts on this freedom versus slavery paradigm, and we'll continue exploring your cognitive liberty right after these messages. You just do as you're told. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. James Corbett here of CorbettReport.com, and you're tuned into Corbett Report Radio here on the Republic Broadcasting Network. And I am here tonight to tell you that you are already free, that you are in fact a free individual who has absolute and total control over your thoughts, which is the absolute most important bedrock, crucial, underlying, fundamental concept of freedom that there is. And I think that might be a provocative idea for many of us who have been following the growing police state enslavement grid for so long and seeing all the different pieces of this puzzle coming together that show that more and more the people who are in charge of the Un, untold, un, un, unimaginably vast sums of money and resources that they commit to creating be- better pieces of machinery that can be used to enforce their arbitrary laws and whims. We've been looking at that that uh, picture for so long that we come become tracked in thinking that that actually does control us and define us, that we are merely serfs mining the tax plantation that is the U.S. of A. or Canada or Japan or wherever we happen to be in the world. And I'm here to tell you that that is not true. That is what the people in charge of this system desperately want you to believe. And the thing that they desperately do not want you to examine is your own cognitive mental liberty. Because when we declare our mental independence, well, that is the the absolute and total anathema of the system that they're trying to bring into place. Now, once again, this is an important concept, so it takes a bit of fleshing out, because I think what we're talking about here is a fundamentally different idea of what freedom is than what we are typically presented with, if we're presented with an idea of freedom at all. Of course, anyone who is tuned into the alternative media and exploring these alternative concepts of how we can better live our lives and how we can better govern society if we want to or live in a free society if that's what we want often take this word, this concept of freedom, at face value without any thought whatsoever. Of course, what we're seeking is freedom, so it's uh, just taken for granted what this freedom we're seeking is. But when we stop to think about it, I don't think it is quite as straightforward as it appears at first blush. Is freedom nothing other than the ability to do or act in a certain way at a certain time exactly as you wish? I don't think that's the case, because if that is, then I don't think it's clear at all that freedom is necessarily what we're seeking after, what we're questing for. Because certainly I'm not here to argue that anyone should be able to do anything they want to anyone they want at any time. Certainly quite the contrary, I think that there has to be some sort of 
guiding principles that do guide our actions and do prevent us from doing this or that at this or that time. For example, I don't think that people should be able to go out and just start murdering people at will. That might be an example of freedom in that concept, in that paradigm. The idea that we're free to go around mass slaughtering people is not the type of freedom that I'm interested in or I imagine that most of the people out there are interested in. So if it's not simply the freedom to act in whatever way that we want, what f kind of freedom are we trying to define here? Well, if it's not that type of freedom, then freedom isn't necessarily about the fact that we're not living in a prison right now or that we're not physically in a cage. I think we can all understand how we may not be free even if we are not actually imprisoned in a physical, literal sense. And that's a point that we often hear in the alternative media, that in a, in a very real and very key sense, the police state represents a type of national prison that people are living in. So, for example, when the law enforcement authorities, and of course authorities is one of those words they love to draw out when they're talking about these things, but the law enforcement authorities now have the right, according to the Supreme Court, to actually strip search absolutely anyone who is stopped for any type of offense, any misdemeanor, even a speeding ticket or a parking violation, can theoretically be strip searched by the law enforcement authorities. And I think we all understand how that represents an invasion upon our personal liberties and freedoms. But again, what is the underlying nature of this freedom that we're trying to uphold and protect? Well, again, I don't think it's as apparent as we like to think it is, and I think it actually goes off of what we were talking about last night on this program with Michael Vale of StratRisks.com. And he was talking about behavioralism the, and the idea that there have been social engineers who have been trying to construct a system of mental enslavement for the masses for generations, if not centuries. Now, this goes back to the works of people like Watson and Skinner and even Pavlov looking at how animals and then, of course, humans can be conditioned into certain responses via various stimuli. And I think we all know about Pavlov's dog experiment and how he was able to make his dog salivate at the ringing of a bell. Is that such an amazing and uh, incredible finding in and of itself? Well, of course not, but it's important because what it shows about not only animal nature, but by implication, human nature, that humans can also be conditioned into certain even physical, biological, measurable, quantifiable responses via various stimuli. And if that is the case, then we can be conditioned in the exact same way that B.F. Skinner was able to condition the, uh, the birds in his experiments to do things like walk in complete circles in order to be rewarded with a pellet of food. And unfortunately, that arises the type of utopia that gives rise to the type of utopia that is sought after by the social engineers in which people are conditioned from birth so that, as Bertrand Russell put it, and I, the idea of the people revolting against their masters would be as unthinkable as the idea of a group of sheep revolting against the practice of eating mutton. That could not possibly happen because the sheep are not sentient, they are not capable of reasoning, they do not understand what is happening, who is organizing it, how it is being done. They would not be able to put up any type of meaningful resistance. That is the type of enslavement 
that they are on the record admittedly demonstrably trying to construct for us and for our minds that is the type of prison that we are being put into the fact that we are not physically in a prison is not the key concept for freedom and slavery in this paradigm it is actually what is happening in your mind that is the crucial and deciding factor in this once again for those who are skeptical about this thesis and by all means please be skeptical about what i'm saying to you and what everyone else is saying to you as well you should think for yourself at all times that is the underlying theme of tonight's broadcast but for those who are skeptical let's take a look at an example of this type of open lusting after the enslavement of people's minds that have been written about quite openly for the last well century at least and we'll go back to 1928 for this little nugget it comes from a work called propaganda by edward bernays the nephew of sigmund freud the american nephew of sigmund freud who really invented the the public relations industry and did all sorts of manipulations on people's minds that are uh, quite ingenious you certainly have to have your hats off to edward bernays for his insight and his ability to bring his plans for mental enslavement to fruition and for those of you who don't know about bernays and his plans and what he was able to accomplish i would highly recommend the first episode of the bbc series called the century of the self very very fascinating look into edward bernays and the various things he was able to accomplish in american society but in his 1928 book propaganda written obviously before the word propaganda did not quite have the same connotations that it does today he writes in the very opening words of the very first chapter of that book quote the conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government which is the true ruling power of our country let me read that one more time the conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government which is the true ruling power of our country i certainly hope that the importance of that statement is not lost on those who understand that edward bernays was very much a part of that invisible government the ruling elite who are part of the actual enslavement grid not the not the lower minions out in the uh, the law enforcement ranks who are just doing as they're told and participating passively in the police state that is that america is more and more becoming but the type of ruling social engineer who sits behind the scenes puppeteering the people and playing on their strings in order to produce a type of public who is already enslaved in their own minds He calls this I think quite rightly the invisible government which is the true ruling power of our country of the United States and presumably of many many other countries on this globe besides if not all of them and I think that's the important point when we talk about freedom from our oppressive government what government are we talking about are we talking about the people on capitol hill are we talking about the congress critters are we talking about the puppet presidents who come one after another with a bunch of mealy-mouthed political platitudes to try to soft soap the masses into voting for them and then do exactly what the masters tell them 
Of course not. We are talking about the people who are behind the scenes, who are puppeteering those governments. They are the invisible government, and their aims, quite openly, are to manipulate the organized habits and opinions of the masses. If that is the type of enslavement that they are seeking to achieve, then the only freedom that is possible is freedom of our minds, freedom to form our own habits and opinions. And if we don't have that, then we are enslaved. On that provocative note, once again, I invite you to join in on tonight's conversation, 1-800-313-9443, and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, here with the good news tonight, delivering the message that you are, in fact, not enslaved, unless you wish to be so, that this is, in fact, a state of mind, a mental state, which you can choose to be a part of or you can choose to reject and refute. And, of course, the jackbooted thugs who themselves are mentally enslaved and who are fulfilling the wishes of the social engineers who claim to be able to puppeteer society in any way they wish may physically throw you in a prison. But that is not the end of your freedom. The only possible end of your freedom is when you submit to the mental enslavement which you have been placed under, well, almost your entire life. Once again, that's not something that I'm just making up or something that I'm saying lightly. That's something that I think we've demonstrated time and time again here on this broadcast and on many of the other broadcasts on this network and many other alternative media figures besides have talked about the way that education, the education system itself, is of course an indoctrination system designed to get people to mentally submit to the to the the guiding principles of the society that we're living in, and even to accept them as being the norm so that anything else is almost unthinkable. And it's worth noting, that, as many people do, that the education system requires uh, people from almost the time of their birth, from the time they're able to walk and talk until the time that they reach so-called adulthood, defined by the society as being the voting age of 18 years, of, 18 years old in our current paradigm, 15,000 hours of classroom indoctrination. 15,000 hours of required mandatory government indoctrination are required for each and every child unless their parents have the good foresight and the ability to homeschool that child. That is a staggering amount of time and investment of money and resources into indoctrinating the children. And one would well wonder why on earth so much of that time and effort and uh, money and resources would be thrown at the idea of indoctrinating children unless that was an absolutely key fundamental underlying structure of the real enslavement grid that we're facing. Once again, this is something that's easily demonstrable from the very writings of the people who do presume to be able to sway society with their vast resources, including of course, the Rockefeller Foundation. And as we went over on the program last night, back in 1933, the president of the Rockefeller Foundation, Max Mason, uh, Mason, 
probably appropriately named, wrote that the Foundation's policies, quote, were directed to the general problem of human behavior with the aim of control through understanding. The social sciences, for example, will concern themselves with the rationalization of social control. The medical and natural sciences propose a closely coordinated study of sciences which underlie personal understanding and personal control. Many procedures will be explicitly cooperative between divisions. The medical and natural sciences will, through psychiatry and psychobiology, have a strong interest in the problems of mental diseases. And the influence of these major philanthropic foundations is exerted in numerous different ways. And as Joan, Joan Rofels has pointed out, quote, creating ideology and the common wisdom, providing positions and status for intellectuals, controlling access to resources for universities, social services and arts organizations, compensating for market failures, steering protest movements into safe channels, and supporting those institutions by which policies are initiated and implemented. Foundations like Carnegie, Rockefeller, and Ford have a corrosive influence on the democratic society. They represent relatively unregulated and unaccountable concentrations of power and wealth, which buy talent, promote cause, and in effect establish an agenda of what merits society's attention. And ultimately, that is very much the point of all of this direction of these vast personal wealths, though the wealth of all of these people into the indoctrination and enslavement grid to try to control your mind and to try to steer your attention. And that's done in different ways for different strata of society. There certainly isn't a one-size-fits-all brain enslavement control grid that uh, that will keep everyone in its thrall. And for certain members of society, it may be the dancing with the stars or whatever equivalent Roman gladiator-esque diversionary entertainment comes along. But certainly there are many people who are not so easily encapsulated or enthralled in the sway of the glowing box of the television. There has to be other ways to make sure that those people do not fall out of the matrix. We've talked about how the left-right paradigm, the political paradigm which purports to be able to explain the political universe is another type of mental enslavement. The proposal that everything can be divided into left and right issues that you must then take aside. You must say, I am of Team Blue or I am of Team Red, and thereby stake your claim and make all of your other thinking fall into line with that box. And of course, the putting of mental boxes and blinkers on people so that they cannot concentrate on real issues and that they cannot form opinions that have not been pre-approved by people who themselves are already controlled by the same social engineers who have put the foundations of this entire organization into place. Well, if we cannot escape those boxes, we are enslaved. But you can escape those boxes. It is a matter of thinking outside those boxes and understanding that the system is directed at organizing your habits and opinions. So if you can form habits and opinions that are contrary to what they want, you have already won and you are already free. Once again, 1-800-313-9443. We'll be back after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. You're tuned into Corbett Report Radio here on the Republic Broadcasting Network, and I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you tonight, as every night, from the land of the rising sun, Japan, where I make my home and where I have been for the last eight years. And on that note, tonight I'm here with the happy message that slavery is over if you want it. Mental slavery, that is, the mental slavery that is very much the key aspect of the underlying control grid that we are being placed into by the social engineers who have been openly and happily documenting that enslavement for decades and generations and centuries, who have been openly writing about how they want to form and organize your habits and your opinions so that you cannot effectively go against what they want to bring about in this world. And I am here to tell you that it is simply a choice that you make to be free, to be free, to come into that state of being that is freedom. Because it is not simply something that pertains to if you're kept up in some box or in some prison. It's all about your understanding of what you essentially are. Once again, this is something that I think a lot of us understand at a basic level, but our thoughts, our thinking process gets in the way of understanding that. So for people who want an example of what this actually means to be free in our spirit rather than simply free in our bodies, I think we have to understand it through recourse to various examples that we've been given. So, for example, people who who have seen Spartacus, not the actual uh, historical figure, but the Hollywood remake of that, that story by the master of the craft, Stanley Kubrick, and I think some people out there might know what I'm talking about. Uh, people who have seen that movie know that ultimately the ending of that movie is not a sad thing. Even though at the end Spartacus is crucified, he dies on a cross, he is, uh, he is not in a happy position, but it is not a story about the death and the enslavement of Spartacus, it is about the freedom of Spartacus, because at the end we understand that he dies a free man. Even if he is crucified upon that cross, he has mentally understood what it is to be free, and has applied that, and he dies a free man, and that is ultimately a happy ending, because ultimately they can do whatever they will do with our bodies, but they cannot control our minds, at least not yet. Not until we enter the Buck Rogers world of the take a pill to change your morality and all of the other things that the bioethicists are working on. And until that time, I will not accept from anyone if they tell me that they are slaves and they can do nothing about it. You are only a slave if you believe yourself to be a slave. On that note, let's turn towards the positive side of this message, the independence that we can assert and that does have true meaning and that has historically been asserted time and time again in the face of the tyrannies that various peoples have faced because it it does us no good to believe ourselves to be the only society in history to ever face the types of challenges that we face. In many ways, our forefathers and foremothers faced much greater challenges than we ever have we have to appreciate what they did and understand that history of how they overcame that tyranny to achieve mental and cognitive liberty. So let's turn to a report that I did back in July of 2011, on the 4th of July, appropriately enough, as part of a video series that I was putting out called The Last Word. This one is called The Last Word on Independence, 
And there was a video of this up on YouTube that you can go to. Just type in last word on independence into YouTube search bar and you'll be able to find it. But let's turn to my website where I have the transcript for this, and I will read this through because I think it is a very important message for us to contemplate. The last word on independence. In the course of human events, nothing has been more dangerous to the ruling elite than the concept of human liberty. Not the documents that have encapsulated that idea or chartered its development, not the Magna Carta, not the Declaration of Independence, not the Emancipation Proclamation, nor any of the other pieces of paper upon which that idea of liberty has been set down, but the idea itself, that humans are born equal, that there are inalienable rights, that no self-proclaimed authority is ever justified in attempting to usurp under whatever pretense, that our life, our liberty, and our property are inviolable, and that it is our duty to resist those who seek to violate them. These are the truths we hold to be self-evident here, now, in the 21st century, blessed as we are to stand on the shoulders of the philosophical giants who had the vision of foresight to realize that tyranny is not the natural state of humanity and the courage of their convictions to fight and die for those beliefs. This idea has been dangerous to those who seek to dominate others precisely because it is an idea a fire in the minds of men that once loosed upon the world can never be put out. It cannot be imprisoned, stabbed, shot, or put under the guillotine, although those have furthered the cause of liberty, although those who have furthered the cause of liberty have all too often been subjected to these punishments. The documents upon which it is inscribed can be ignored, revised, or destroyed altogether, but the idea itself is as immutable as the inalienable rights it upholds. The idea of liberty is dangerous precisely because it is permanent, indestructible, and ultimately irrepressible. Not that the tyrants haven't tried, of course. For as long as there have been ordinary men and women, lowly peasants and humble laborers willing to stand up to the lords and ladies, the kings and queens and noblemen of all stripes who would presume to control them, there have been those who have tried to suppress them. In 73 BC, Spartacus led a slave rebellion known as the Third Servile War against the Roman Republic. Using nothing more than kitchen implements, he led a band of 70 men in a plot to escape their bondage in Capua. They seized supplies from some wagons full of gladiatorial weapons and armors, plundered the area, and escaped to Mount Vesuvius, all the while recruiting other slaves to join them in their uprising. Defeating wave after wave of militia sent to suppress them, the Spartacan rebellion grew to 70,000 men. Beset by eight legions of Roman troops under the command of the feared Marcus Crassus, Spartacus made a valiant last stand at Brundusium and was decimated by the disciplined, well-armed Roman forces. Spartacus died on the battlefield with his men, and those that survived were captured and crucified by Crassus' legions. In the late 14th century, King Richard II of England levied a deeply unpopular poll tax on the poor British serfs, already living in abject poverty under English feudalism. When a tax collector tried to extract the poll tax from the village of Fobbing, the villagers refused to pay, and he was sent away empty-handed. When a chief justice was sent to investigate the incident, he was attacked. Soon the revolt had spread and an armed uprising began to march on London. They stormed the Tower of London, killing the nobles ensconced there, including the Lord Chancellor and the Lord Treasurer. Desperate to contain the rebellion, King Richard agreed to negotiations with the rebel leader, Wat Tyler. 
During the negotiations, Tyler was killed. King Richard lied to the crowds, telling them that Tyler had in fact been knighted and that the king had accepted his demands. The crowds were told to march to St. John's Fields, where they would be reunited with their leader, but they marched into a trap and the revolt was suppressed. Having killed the rebel leaders, Richard withdrew his concessions. In 1869, the newly established government of Canada negotiated the purchase of Rupert's Land from the Hudson Bay Company and appointed an English-speaking governor to rule over the French-speaking Métis-dominated region. Louis Riel led an uprising of Métis known as the Red River Rebellion that led to a provisional government and the establishment of the province of Manitoba. As a condition of the entry of Manitoba into Confederation, the Riel-led rebellion drafted a list of rights for the people of the territory that established their right to their own legislature, the right to elect their own sheriffs, magistrates, constables, and other officials, the right to a full representation in the Canadian Parliament, and the right to all privileges and customs at the time of the transfer. Riel was banished to the U.S. for his part in what the government of Canada branded a treasonous act, and when he returned to lead a new rebellion in the 1880s, he was eventually captured and hung by the Canadian government. The annals of history suffer from no shortage of martyrs in the pursuit of human liberty. They have come from every race, every creed, every corner of the globe, and every walk of life. But they have all been united in a passion for freedom and a pursuit of those ideals which are anathema to the tyrants. That we are all equal, and that no official, in whatever office, dressed in whatever uniform, or claiming to speak with whatever authority, can take away our right to life, liberty, and property. But the tyrants of the 21st century are not stupid, and it cannot be said that they suffer from the same delusions of their ideological forefathers that the idea of human liberty can be suppressed by the barrel of a gun. Certainly there still are repressive regimes all throughout the world that do use the infrastructure of the police state to encroach further and further upon the rights of the people, but more insidious by far are the ways that modern information warfare are used to convince people that their slavery is in fact their freedom, that the answer to the problems created by centralized forms of control is in fact even further centralization of control, and that our independence finds its fullest expression in our dependence on these systems of control. In our modern context, we have watched as the world has brought, been brought to the brink of economic collapse by the concerted attempts to subsume local sovereignty into regional, supranational governments and organizations. We have witnessed the destruction of national economies by groups of political pirates who have squandered away their own country's finances for their personal enrichment and then run to the IMF for the privilege of selling their country into debt bondage to the financiers and vulture capitalists who are all too willing to buy up national infrastructure for pennies on the euro. We have watched as our so-called leaders have led us into war after war without seeking declarations of war from our elected representatives, but based on ill-defined mandates of international bodies that we have not created and in which we have no say, like the UN and NATO. And in each case where these activities have left us more impoverished and more enslaved than before, we are told that the answer is to allow these same leaders and authorities even more power over our lives. The Europeans are arguing that the answer to the collapse of the euro is to strengthen the financial institutions of the EU, including the creation of a European finance ministry with the power to intervene in the economies of individual member states. The Europeans are being told that their further dependence on the EU is the only way to save them 
from the calamity that they, their independent that their dependence on the EU has gotten them into. Residents of the NATO member states are being told that in order to ensure the freedom of the Libyan people, they must commit their forces to the bombardment of those very same people at the behest of the UN Security Council. France has now been confirmed to be directly arming the so-called rebels in in Libya in direct contradiction to the Security Council resolution they claim to be enforcing, but that fact goes unnoticed in the establishment media and the war continues against the wishes of the vast majority of the people. Those who are seeking to once again claim their independence from the system and to stake out for themselves those rights that our forefathers and foremothers fought and died for are now being dubbed extremists and socially demonized for their refusal to go along with their own enslavement. Those who grow their own gardens to free themselves from dependence on the big multinational food conglomerates are portrayed as wackos. Those who invest in precious metals against the devaluation of the debt-based fractional reserves, derivatives-backed, central bank-issued funny money that serves as the basis of our system of economic dependence are deemed kooks. Those who refuse to recognize the authority of the government to impose limits on their inalienable human rights to freedom from unlawful searches and seizures and even freedom from violation of their own bodies are branded dangerous subversives. And now, as another Independence Day comes and goes in the United States of America, and as we watch the political puppets of all stripes line up to pay lip service to the ideals of human freedom, it is time to once again, it is time once again for people all over the world to ask themselves if they still stand with the ideals enshrined by Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence in 1776 that when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Because in reality, our liberty is not a vague concept that we can reaffirm on occasion as it suits us. It is a choice that we make each and every day to live in independence or in slavery. Every day is Independence Day. Once again, that is something that I wrote back on the 4th of July, 2011. It's called The Last Word on Independence, so I will put the link to the video and the transcript of that video in the show notes for tonight's episode, CorbettReport.com slash radio. And I hope that the point is not lost on the listeners out there that absolutely our cognitive liberty is a choice that we make each and every single day. We can choose to be mentally enslaved and to go along with the dependence on the system that has been created for us, that our leaders who are descended from heaven to show us what to do and tell us what to do have placed before us, or we can choose to assert our own cognitive independence, our mental liberty, our ability to choose for ourselves, our ability to understand and perceive and experience the world through our own framework, not that provided to us by the social engineers who have been trying to condition our responses to various stimuli for decades and decades and decades. So we stand here now, those of us out there who do understand that this is a paradigm of cognitive liberty versus cognitive enslavement, and we have to ask ourselves what it is that we can do, not only to further our own cognitive liberty and to reassert every single day through our choices, our actions, and our thoughts the type of liberty that is anathema to this system, 
but how to also get other people to understand this. How do we spread that fire of in the minds of men, the fire of real liberty? Well, that is not for me to tell you how to do. Obviously, that would go very much against what I'm saying. But it is something for us to collectively be thinking about and to try to implement in our own individual ways in our own lives. And that could be something as simple as merely wanting to be an example for others about how to live an independent life. And that can come in all sorts of different ways, depending on your own beliefs, your own understandings, your own intelligence, your own experience, and your own abilities. So if what you do is to grow your own garden and to get off of that enslavement grid that's known as the food agricultural industrial complex, well, that in itself can be the shining example that other people need to understand just how little they understand about their own reliance on that system of control. So simply growing a garden and introducing others to that concept can be a type of I guess war, uh, war for liberty in this war against the mental enslavement of the masses. It can take all sorts of other th ideas and concepts. Myself, being someone who is motivated by words and language, have decided to practice my wordsmithery in the pursuit of cognitive liberty. And so here I am, never ever having expected to become a media personality with a radio show and a video, uh, popular video channel on YouTube and a website trying to spread this information in the way that I'm best able. But I think all of us working in our own independent ways will be able to overcome this enslavement grid. So on that note, let's take another short break. and We'll be right back to finish tonight's episode. Myself today. Welcome back to the final minutes of tonight's episode of Corbett Report Radio. Of course, I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And tonight we have been talking about the ways that you are already free. You are free in your mind if you choose to be so. And that enslavement is something that can only happen if you give in to that concept. And this is an interesting paradigm to explore because it indicates that we all have agency over our own lives and that we can't blame everything that's happening on some outside boogeyman force, that you are only as enslaved as you believe yourself to be and thereby manifest in your life. And this is by no means should this be taken as a call for everyone to just back down and go along with the status quo and give into the system because, oh, all it is is a choice so we don't have to do anything with our lives Quite the contrary. I think it's only through an understanding that we are free actors in this society, that we can absolutely assert our mental independence each and every day, that is any provides any type of hope that we can accomplish anything at all in this enslavement grid. Because once we understand that we are free beings and that no chains and no prisons that they construct for us can ever take that fundamental underlying existence, the essence of freedom away from us. It is only through that understanding that we can ever hope to assert that freedom and to let it govern each and every 
interaction that we have with everyone that we have, have interactions with on a day-to-day basis. If you understand yourself fundamentally at the base of the core of your being to f- be a free and independent being who is capable of making your own choices and coming to your own decisions, then nothing can ever take that away from you, and it will manifest itself in every single interaction you have on a daily basis and that cannot but help to change not just yourself but the people around you who encounter you and the way that you exert that independent spirit in your daily interactions once again as i was saying before the break i'm not here to tell you how to live a free and independent life or how to become mentally and cognitively independent that is up for each person to explore and understand in their own terms on their own way but i am here to tell you that if you give into the ruling paradigm of the day that you are just a hopeless minion minion who is hopelessly enslaved by this new world order nether force boogeyman that's out there that can do anything at once once we give into that paradigm we have given up an essential core aspect of the liberty that is part of our mental independence so once again it's up for all of you out there to find your own ways through this system and your own ways of exerting your cognitive liberty and I certainly hope that this broadcast has at least started the, uh, your thought thinking along those lines. Once again, I am a completely listener-supported uh, independent media host, so if you do appreciate the Corbett Report and the work that I'm providing, I do appreciate your support, and you can find out how to do that at corbettreport.com support, either by subscribing to my newsletter, which is now coming out on a weekly basis, or by buying one of my DVDs, including the 2007-2008 Data DVD, which represents every single podcast episode, interview, and uh, video that I created during that time period. Literally hundreds of hours of media on one single dual-layer Data DVD. Again, more details of that available from CorporateReport.com. And on that note, we are in the final stages of this episode of the broadcast and coming towards the end of the week. We're over the hump, and on Thursday, of course, tomorrow night, we'll have James Evan Pilato of FoodWorldOrder.com to go over all the latest in the world of food, health, and the environment. And then Friday night will be the Friday night highlight edition of this broadcast. And then we have a jam-packed transmission lined up for next week and the week after, full of very interesting guests and topics. So once again, I hope you'll join me for that. I'm your host, James Corbett, thanking you for joining me for this edition of Corbett Report Radio, and I look forward to talking to you all again in 23 hours. So until then, thank you for listening and take care.